0: It's who you are at work, after hours, and back at home, exploring every layer, finding out what makes you, uniquely you, and letting that shine back out into the world. It's Authentic 365, a podcast that takes a glimpse into how some of the most inspiring people among us express themselves and make magic happen. Hello, my name is Christiane Schulz, and I'm the CEO of Edelmann in Germany. And I happen to be the Global Gwen Chair, and Gwen is our Global Women Equality Network. And our mission is to foster an environment that is both safe and conducive for women of all backgrounds to uh, enjoy equal opportunity and to grow, lead, and succeed in and beyond Edelman. And Ilman, we also foster cross-network collaboration and this month we have Pride Month and it was a given for me to do something jointly with our equal network. Our equal network's mission is to inspire a diverse and inclusive environment that enables LGBTQIA plus employees to be authentic self and drive forward the firm's business with the context of an evolving global society. And at that network, we are focused on employees, advocacy, business development, and organizational cultures. So, well, I'm also representing the L in the LGBTIQ, and uh, I wanted to do a podcast that focus on both aspects of the two networks. And I just recently met a fascinating conversation partner who I'm invited today. So uh, welcome, Danny D'Amico. Uh, you are partner at McKinsey and Company in New York. And thank you for
1: being my guest today. Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: It would be great if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Yes, sure. So tell us a bit
1: about yourself. I'm Danny. As I said, I use uh, she, her pronouns. I am a uh, New York-based partner at McKinsey. I have um, a career in consulting. I started my consulting career in London. I also happen to have started my career in consulting as a guy. I'm a transgender woman, and I've only transitioned a few years ago. And so I have both perspectives that that I bring of having lived my corporate and private life uh, as two genders.
0: You are uh, also a big sponsor, as I understood, at McKinsey for the, the whole topic of LGBTIQ+. And uh, we both met in Berlin not so long ago where I was invited to an inclusive leadership event from McKinsey and I saw your presentation there and it was amazing. I even get goosebumps now. About uh, talking that is about so life. kind of you. And so it, it was really touching and it gave me and I think everybody a lot of insights. And actually also I'm representing two networks at our company, one, the Global Women Equality Network. And on the other side, I'm also part of the LGBTIQ network. I heard something from you that I'm really curious to learn more about. So when we met, you mentioned that once you did your transition, you noticed from one day to another that you lost all your
1: former privileges as a male. So please tell me more about this. Let me start by saying that uh, you know, as I was saying before, I I lived uh, my career as two genders, and so really I, I straddle my career at two bookends, and my experience is is really vivid every day, and so. As my days as Danny accumulate, I just realized just how much my life has changed. And uh, and so, you know, I, I do bring this un, uncommon perspective, you know, for the first part of my career, I, no doubt, I benefited by playing the guy role uh, from white privilege. And I vividly remember what it's like to be Daniele, who was not subject to nuanced biases on a daily basis. And now... How the world interacts with me are fresh experiences. I don't have the compounding effect of smoothening those experiences, those biases with ears to date as a woman, as a trans woman. So I didn't I didn't do my teens as a woman. I didn't experience university of my early stages of my career as, as a woman. And so I'd like to think, and I don't want to diminish anyone's experiences, that that I live my days with surprise because I realize just just that I was subject to such a different standards is, is jarring. And so as I experienced my world, and I, and I realized that, uh, especially initially after my transitions, my, my days were filled with cold glances, with quiet hallway encounters, with, with felt pronouns. I just realized just uh, um, there was a lack of recognition of my presence or voice in the room. And so a dismissive act at times is just a burst, yet a steady force that I felt directed at me. I wasn't used to it. And I told myself, there are reasons that I can't see, their attitudes adjust, omissions are accidents, but I realized that it was, uh, it was something more than that. I just was not used to being treated in a different way. And I'd like to imagine that even before I was somebody who examined biases and who championed marginalized voices, always ask the quiet person in the room what their perspective was. I like to think I was, but there's one thing I did not realize was that others' unconscious biases, how they affect other people, other women, were not affecting me. And now I'm painfully aware of that. It is also unexpected in a way as I, as I quickly needed to remap where I am now. And I don't know if, if these new boundaries that I've encountered are because I'm trans or because I'm a woman or both, I don't know. It just is. And, and you know, but when I talk to other women about it, they definitely say, oh, no, no, because you're a woman. And they give me that confirmation that I am subject to different standards. And, and there's been a massive adjustment in, uh, in in my life.
0: Yeah. And um, actually, I think I, I would say as well, I've heard it before, <laughs> um, women actually, um, Getting a voice in a meeting um, that they are trying to. I once heard. I'm not sure if this was true. Not at all. I once heard someone tell me that I probably need to interrupt, uh, also men, to get because they breathe different than women. I'm not sure if there's anything <laughs> true about this. So uh, you might come across as unpolite if you interrupt to get a voice. But have you? May I just add have you changed your strategy of to become a voice? Are you told that, that how to? Make sure everybody gets a voice and to become more aware of making sure to
1: be probably inclusive. did you have a trick also to, <laughs> for yourself it's uh it's I would say it's a work in progress just because I'm not used to it. you know I'm still me, and so the trick, which is also a fear, is that I just need to be that much better than everybody else. And so people will like, okay, mm-hmm. so you bring a unique perspective from a, you know, from a professional perspective that my presence, whether it is my transness or me being a woman, blurs in the background and then my voice is heard. But that's not automatic. And that's the biggest mm-hmm. adjustment is the fact that the kind of uh, authoritative voice that comes out is not there anymore. And I've seen it for myself, and I see it for others. It's like, you know, somebody may say something, or a woman may say something at a meeting, and, and it gets glossed over, and then a guy says the same thing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this is a great idea. I said, like, well, hang on a minute, that person just said that. It's, uh, it happens all the time. And I think uh, the strategy for me as the partner, as a leader in my firm, is to make sure that when I'm in a meeting, I try and orchestrate it in a way that I do give voice to others, to everybody's that, that, uh, that may have something good to say. And, and because to me, there's a huge realization that the loudest voices don't always have the best perspective. And, you know, it's the quiet, yeah, it's quiet listeners that kind of digest everything and then have got terrific perspective. And so, you know, normal dynamics just miss out so much of that.
0: That's true. So you just touched something about also your role currently. So becoming a partner in McKinsey Company, I think it's an outstanding achievement and I assume really for everybody, right? I mean, I think so. And can you tell us a bit about your career journey as a transgender woman? Uh, what was it like for you? And maybe also you could tell us, were there any allies that played a special role or what was it like?
1: So I don't know if I play to a specific narrative because a lot of people say I'm too junior to be me to be authentic in the workplace to a certain extent I play that because I transitioned after becoming a partner and I was not at McKinsey I was at a different firm before that but it's a combination of things that I did not I was so in my personal life so deeply closeted that I just did not have the strength to come out as me I thought that you know, it was way too much out of left field to be able to be you and me being me meant being a woman or, you know, a trans woman in the workplace that I thought it would be too much of a great hit to my career. And, you know, like I knew I would fall. I just did not know how far down I would fall by coming out. And that not knowing how far I would fall was too much of a risk for me to come out. Until the cracks started to show in my life, my personal life, my professional life, that I couldn't do it anymore. In a way, I was felt forced to come out by just by my own head, which, is, which meant that at that stage, there was no calculation. I had to be all in. And whatever happens, happens. Yes. Before that, it was a lot of calculation about how to keep this feeling at bay. And because at the end of the day, I've been in my career for like 20 years or so, I've learned very clearly that the only way to be successful is to just, you know, you do you, you do your job and you do it well, but you don't step out of your lane. And you bring your work person to work and and you conform to a certain standards. And for me, that standard was a male role model that, you know, I was being an actor, playing that. And because it, it yeah. wasn't me, I was like grabbing role models along the way. And maybe they were, I don't know where they were on the spectrum of male role models, but I needed to emulate others' behaviors. And so I came out when I was senior. I came to McKinsey as a trans woman, which was, which felt really good. And I'll get to that in a second, but I want to also address the part about the ally. I think it is of vital importance finding that ally for you. And it could be one person because uh, because when you're in that moment of being like of deciding if you to be your authentic self or not, there's a disproportionate amount of influence that one ally can give you because that is the acceptance of being you and I did find my ally and and you know and and I did, and I did have that conversation with that one person that was the first person in the professional circle i ever I ever added the words "I am transgender and so it was such a monumental step for me because all of a sudden the secret was out, and it was like left my own head into somebody else's and i I presume everybody chooses their person well for me it was a massive smile and a big hug, and this is and it gave me such strength and power and energy to, to keep going. The other part is, uh, I did come out at a prior firm and I transitional work there, and then I moved to McKinsey. So for me, becoming being elected as an external hire at McKinsey as a partner was a big deal. You know, the interview process is really rigorous. Uh, many, many, yeah. many interviews later, I was delighted to be, become a partner at a place like McKinsey on my own merit, regardless of my gender identity or expression. And that felt, that felt incredible to me. There's, there's no doubt that it did. And it gave me a lot of strength. Yeah. And also now it's giving me a lot of strength to be, you know, like if I can become a partner at McKinsey or a senior executive as me, that means that a lot of my fellow trans and non-binary folks can as yeah. well.
0: So true. And it's so great that you talk about it because I just learned, I guess, myself in the last year, how important people like you are as role models for others, especially for the younger generation. If they see there is someone uh, in the corporate world, they can believe it's possible for them as well. So I think it's so important to be visible in general if you are part of this community or maybe even on anything else. If other people can see you, hear you, they believe it's possible for them as well. And therefore, I think it's really awesome that you share all this. In, in the last part of our conversation, I would like to unpack a topic you mentioned to me when we met in Berlin. You also said that sometimes you suffer from imposter syndrome. I am responsible for our Global Women Equality Network. I hear a lot of this. Could you tell me a bit about it, what it means for you? and how
1: you deal with it? This is a, it's a big topic for me. I think the strength and power of speaking to fellow women has been very, very important for me because, and this is, you know, part of being transgender is the fact that there's always the feeling of when you're in a room, it could be any room, it could be a professional room, a personal room, sitting in the subway, like whichever room in life you want to be in, there's always a question, am I woman enough? Am I bringing myself? And it could be, and the reasons for this could be a million different reasons. There's a million different shades of what that means in that specific moment. It could be a physical appearance. It could be a, I was, as I mentioned before, you know, I haven't been through my life as a woman. I don't have the compounding effect. I didn't give birth to my kids. So it could be like, there's a, there's, there's a myriad of shades of, am I woman enough? Which really... It's hard to live with that on a day to day basis because, you know, at times you keep it at bay, but at times it takes over. And uh, to be with fellow women in a professional, personal environment, uh, um, it can be tasking. And I think what, to me, my own personal evolution has been twofold. One is uh, the, the obvious one, which is uh, by me being vulnerable and sharing my feelings with other women. Other women share their own feelings about their experiences like that. And so it's very much as anything that I would say you know, about the was it physical, is it mental, is it any of those shades? Mm-hmm. I get the feedback back in return, which is, it's the same thing. Yeah. And and so it's very much as there is a level to which is like, I'm no different to anybody else here in this club, (laughs) which to me brings me my own sensitivities about my own imposter syndrome is almost a a strengthening of the fact that I belong to this club because I share similar, you know, (laughs) if I felt invincible, I, I didn't have a care in the world and stuff like that, that would be different. And so that's kind of like one big thing. And and then the second thing is a close friend of mine, I was talking about this imposter syndrome. I was speaking to her about going to a woman event in one of my large clients that they had a woman network event that had invited me. And and I did feel I did feel strong imposter syndrome that when I was talking to her about it, and, and she challenged me and she said, Hang on a minute, do you have more imposter syndrome now or back then? <laughs> And it was a fascinating question because then it really got me thinking. I went home and I was reflecting a lot about also my level of imposter syndrome that I had before. And I just realized just, you know, I was so used to being in my own skin, but also being deeply uncomfortable in being that, in that skin. That it was, you know, as I mentioned before, it was that I, I was playing somebody else because I had a chronic imposter syndrome of, some, of somewhere that I really didn't belong and so I, I had it both ways, and I think that now I'm experiencing a much healthier one, a healthy one in the sense that, that it, it's, uh, it's very akin to, to, to many women that feel at some level just second-guessing yourself, doubting yourself of not being good enough for a specific occasion, for a specific situation type thing, when most of us are, are amply adequate for that situation to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, so,
0: so true. Danny, thank you very much uh, for being my guest, for sharing um, all this. Um, I I think it's very insightful.
1: Thank you for your time. It was was, uh, was great to be here. and, And thank you for hearing me out. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: And that's a wrap for this episode. Many thanks to you for working with us. And until next time, keep it authentic. All day, every day. Authentic 365 is brought to you by global communications firm Edelman.